Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the ad-free shows and podcast heat networks. I'm John Alba, and in just a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. I hope you guys are having a great week here in Extreme Life land. Last week, Matt and I had an awesome episode talking about Randy Orn, and you guys seem to really enjoy it. So if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you check it out. Give it a share on your social medias. Leave us that five, single five, single five star review and enjoy the extreme life talking about Randy. Uh, This week, we are going to be doing something very fun for you. You are going to be hearing our live stage show recorded at WrestleCade, Becoming Broken which goes into about an hour and a half's worth of stories talking about the broken universe and how it came to be. You may recall we did a long-form series on this on the podcast uh, in the past, in the early episodes you can find on the archive, but getting people on stage who were openly involved in the broken universe concept. You're going to hear from Rebecca Hardy. You're going to hear from EC3 and a few other special guests as well who were involved in the creation of the broken universe. Matt's going to tell some great stories from his time, including with the final deletion and hear how some of the sausage was made in ways that we didn't even get into in our podcast edition of it. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to check that out. All week long, Matt and I have been getting all these fantastic social media posts from you guys showing us that The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy was in your Spotify wrapped top five podcast list or in your most listened to podcasts on Apple Podcasts. I'm so grateful you guys sent them. Please keep sending them because next week we're going to be doing the drawing and the winner's going to get a prize from us here at boxgimmicks.com. So go ahead and send that now at Matt Hardy Pod, at John Alba, at Matt Hardy Brand. Send us those screenshots of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy in your top five, and we will make sure that you will be entered to win the drawing. And Matt will pick the winner randomly himself. So it's going to be great. Uh, opportunity for all of you guys to get involved further in the show if you haven't already. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. ExtremeHardy.com is your one-stop shop 
to make sure that you do. If you are looking for some Extreme Life merchandise, you head on over to boxagimmicks.com, search the Extreme Life Matt Hardy store, and you're going to be able to find some really great gifts, stocking stuffers, uh, holiday-themed gifts specifically, wrapping paper, ornaments. Uh, it's a lot of great Extreme Life Matt Hardy merchandise, including our T-shirt store and sweatshirts and so much more. So go check that out. I don't want to waste any more time. So without further ado, here is Becoming Broken live on stage from WrestleCade. Look at this. We are in North Carolina. Come on and raise up. Yeah, I dig that. We are in Hardy Country, which is very cool. And this is a great turnout for being late in the night. So thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, you guys want to have some fun tonight? You want to hear some fun stories? You want to hear some crazy stories? Yeah. We got a little bit of everything for you tonight, then. Well, Matt, we have a tradition on our podcast. Before we start talking about the given topic at hand, I ask you for something in advance. So without further ado, if you could look right into that camera there in the middle, please hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt dislikes bulky keychains. Where does that one stem from? Well, hell, uh, I like having just my keys on there, and maybe I have the little, you know, the sensor to open the gate or the house key, whatever else. My wife has a keychain. She dresses it all up. I end up taking, like, the key off, and I, like, just put that in my pocket. She goes, why do you take my key off my key ring? I said, because it's huge. It would, I, would have to, you know, I would have to have, like, a backpack to put it in for everything to fit. I'm just, I've never been a big fan of, like, bulky keychains. So that's just like a personal thing, and that's why, uh, that's why Mad Facts came to be, because there were facts that were very true about me. And I'm sure Rebecca was very rational in your explanation and understanding of it. Well, of course she was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just wanted to make sure on that. If you've met my wife, you know of course she was. <laughs> well, we have a very special presentation here on the Title Match Network and for everyone here at WrestleCade. We are doing an episode of the Extreme Life on stage called Becoming Broken because Matt Hardy, you've had a ton of great iterations throughout your career. Obviously, the OG Hardys, Matt Hardy version one. But everyone in wrestling, still to this day, seven, eight years later, is talking about broken Matt Hardy and the broken universe. The fact that you still go to any airport or wrestling show or, or convention and people are still chanting, delete, delete, delete at you, has the legacy of that character settled in for you yet? I, I feel like it has some. I, it, it was definitely influential and I, I had no idea it would kind of become the cultish type character that it did. But it's so funny when you say that, you know, even... Vince McMahon, when I went back to, to WWE in 2017, it's so funny because I remember talking to Triple H, Paul Levesque, and he said, you know what? He said, maybe we could do like a good Hardy Boys run, kind of a throwback to the original WWE Hardy Boys, and then maybe we get into the, the Broken Man Hardy a little bit, whatever. And then Vince was like, no, they're, they're back at WWF. They're, they're the Hardy Boys. They're the Hardy Boys. And then like later on, whenever I did do Woken Matt Hardy, the, the WWE version, it's so funny because he told me, we sat down, we talked for 30 minutes about what the character was, whatever. He says, well, you know what? He said, they keep doing delete, 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 delete. They won't stop that shit. I guess we got to give it to them. 
and, and it's just so, I mean, that like became like just part of who I am now. Like it will never leave me. Even when I do it as, you know, one half of the Hardy Boys and I do the delete thing, it's still very entrenched uh, in my being and in my character as a whole because like Broken Matt Hardy has been absorbed into my whole, you know, itinerations of characters. Yeah. So it all starts back in TNA, 2014. You make your return to the company and we're playing the greatest hits. It's you and Jeff. You guys are tagging together. Things are going pretty well, uh, for you at least. Impact TNA, on the other hand, was having its own issues at that time. And things look like they're going to be headed towards another hearty run at the top of the tag team division. But Jeff decides to go out on a dirt bike, and things change. Can you tell us what happened? Uh, yeah, Jeff had uh, set a goal for himself that he wanted to jump... Uh, a triple on his racetrack that he, he's got like a, a legit racetrack at his house, which, you know, you could have like a television uh, motorcycle race on. Uh, it's huge. And he said, well, I really built these hills. I want to do a hundred foot long jump in between these triples. And uh, he said, it's really important to me. I really got to do it. It's just a, a big goal I've set. I was like, well, I mean, there is a chance you might get hurt. And he's like, nah, I'll be fine. I won't get hurt. And of course, whenever he does it, he ends up breaking his leg in two places. Uh, so that, that's how that happened, and that was right after we had won the World Tag Team titles. You know, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to put the tag titles on you. We're going to ha have you guys have a good run, whatever it may be. And uh, we win those tag team titles. He goes home that next week. He, uh, he breaks his leg in multiple places. So that's, that's kind of kind of the story of the charismatic enigma Jeff Hardy. He just yeah. kind of throws caution to the wind. Yeah. And that's why people love him so much, too. But, yeah, that kind of threw a monkey wrench in all the plans. Yeah. Appropriately referred to as the stuntman of the Hardys. And he ends up on the shelf. So now Matt Hardy, after achieving gold, is left on the hunt and to reinvent yet again as a singles guy. And you're trying to find your character, but this is an opportunity for you to get a chance to actually pursue a world championship. Maybe it wasn't an opportunity that you thought you'd be afforded, but what kind of equity do you feel that your name carried at the time in TNA as you were being positioned to make a run for it? Well, it, it, it's very interesting that you asked me that because I would like to honestly offer up how all this kind of came to be because I, I wasn't like handpicked or selected to like win the TNA world title when it first happened. So after the thing with Jeff happened, and this is right around the time that uh, Maxwell was being born. Actually, he was here. King Maxwell! And I went to Big, John Gabrick, who was doing uh, a lot of the booking at TNA at that time. I said, you know what? I said, I know EC3 has just won the title. He's a young guy. I like him a lot. I see a ton of potential in him. I said, why don't you let us have a program? And I feel like I can build him and help elevate him. That way, he gets a couple wins over Matt Hardy, WWE legend, someone who's very well known in the game, and he beats me in a ladder match. Maybe we get to this, he beats me in a ladder match, and it really helps uh, solidify who he is as our champion in TNA. So that's, that was my goal. That's how the whole Matt Hardy-EC3 rivalry started. And EC3 plays a pretty pivotal role in the creation of this broken character. And it's, it's maybe a role that not that many people think about on the surface, but he was instrumental in laying the foundation, wasn't he? He absolutely was, because without EC3, we don't get to Big Money Matt. And without Big Money Matt, you don't get to Broken Matt Hardy. So yeah, he, he was definitely a huge 
multiple pieces of the puzzle of getting to broken Matt Hardy. And, and, and the one thing I do have to say about EC3 is I loved the way he thought. I loved his process. And we had so many similarities when we were working together. And I really thought there was something special there. But I also felt this. When me, the older veteran, was working with EC3, I could see the impact in TNA fans really rallying behind him. He was like their young guy. They wanted him to be the franchise player. And I, I could feel that. And then, like, later on, I remember as we get deeper and deeper into our rivalry, I remember telling Big, John Gabrick, I was like, I don't know. It might be time to do, like, a double turn, I said, because I feel like I could be a heel and he could be a, a big-time babyface. Well, it's great to have your perspective, but I think we should have his perspective as well. So why don't we bring up our first special guest, ladies and gentlemen, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the OVW National Champion, EC3. There you go. <laughs> what an honor. The man who was the catalyst to the broken one. The man who drove you so crazy, you went crazy. The I man did. personally, personally responsible for the greatest creative work of your career. <laughs> and the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and OVW National Champion EC3. Thank you guys. Give it up for EC3, guys. EC3 strapped up. I knew, I knew, I knew when you, 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 you agreed to be on this podcast. I knew we were in for trouble, 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 trouble. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. No, it's it was a great song. It was a total, <laughs> it was a total banger of a jam. Uh, and actually, the new Overman theme has sampled the uh, TNA Impact EC3 theme. So, you know, that's right. The Overman. I like that. You know, the most important thing I like is how you commit to the writing with the uh, cap locks and, and small letters too. It's painstaking to be that diligent on social media. Well, that's what you have to do. You got to <laughs> yeah. commit to the bit, brother. Uh, so. well, yeah, no, one thing about learning in this industry and having such great veteran leadership and talents I was able to work with, like Matthew Hardy here, is the commitment to what you're doing. Like, the commitment is what makes anything special. The commitment is what makes the moment stand out. The commitment is what makes the work unique and uniquely yours. So you taught me that. Yeah, I mean, that, that is true. I... I they asked me one time when Broken Matt Hardy started getting hot, they had me doing media, right? And they said, hey, we want you to do some really serious media, too. They said, we'd like you on Dave Meltzer's show. You'd probably be on for like an hour. I said, well, I'm not coming out of gimmick. I'm going to be Broken Matt Hardy the whole while. I'm going to be talking about going through different bodies, how my soul, my essence has uh, traveled through all of space and time. I said, so if he's cool with talking about that for an hour, not five-star matches, I said, sign me up. You know, and that's what I did. I did his whole show for an hour. How awkward was that? Uh, not for me, not at all. Well, no. It's easy for him, yeah, because he's very committed. Now he was just saying before that he, he saw how the crowd was taking to you as TNA champion, and and you were certainly presented in a very significant position within that promotion. So when they come to you and say, "Hey, you're going to work with Matt and the equity that Matt brought from WWE at that time over there," uh, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it was like. When I was growing up, I was asked, what is my dream match? So I was young, and I said, I'd love a world title match with Kurt Angle. And I was laughed at, but I manifested it. And I had that match. I had that moment. I won a world heavyweight championship, wrestling one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And then when you kind of hit that peak moment and that ultimate high, it's like, where can it go? Um, but I was very, very fortunate that Matt Hardy was in the wings. He wanted to 
work with me and then to go from Kurt to another childhood hero. I mean, the only reason I'm sitting on this stage is because in 1999, I was in Cleveland, Ohio at No Mercy in the, uh, when you had the ladder match with Jeff, Edge, and Christian. So that moment was a moment where I stood up and like, I'm going to do this no matter what. And then here we are. So coming back to have that match with Matt, I think we started with a ladder match too. No, we, we started with a regular match. We, we had a regular match, because I remember I, did, I just said earlier, like I told Big, I said, well, let me work with EC3 because I think he could be a big deal. And I think beating me would like help elevate him. You know, it helped put more equity behind the whole EC3 character. So we did that one match, it got over really well and it did good. And then we built into the ladder match. And then not only did you beat me in the regular match, then you also defeated me in my specialty, the ladder match, which we were really just trying to cement your position as the TNA top guy. I'm your real boogeyman, aren't I, buddy? You are. You <laughs> no, are. I remember that ladder match, one specific moment, actually. <laughs> uh, first off, great psychology, because I went to the leg at the end. I still think that's completely overlooked. But there was a moment in the match where I was laying prone on a table on the outside, and ascending this gigantic ladder was Matt Hardy, to where he delivered, I don't know how you do it, off the second rope, let alone off the top of the ladder to a floor, but a leg drop right to me and he had that knee brace on and it kind of caught me just a bit where i was blacked out wow and I'm like i remember coming to and he was literally climbing a ladder and you know you don't really know what's happening those happen like you, your bearings aren't straight and i was like had a near panic attack because oh, i'm actually going to lose my match <laughs> so the rush to get in Oops. there but yeah oh man the amount he's done for me, not only as a wrestler, but as a person, as a man, I, I can't say enough. Well, thank you. That's, That's awesome. very, very kind of you, for sure. So you guys have those matches, as you just said. Drew Galloway, also known as Drew McIntyre, who, by the way, is doing killer work right now, and I think that is worth putting over in and of itself. Drew's, done, Drew's a hunk. Drew oh. is a hunk, yeah. A, a, a real badass what Scottish What a beard, dude. too, right? Like, seriously, one of the best beards in wrestling. That's how you know he's a heel, guys. Anyway, um, so you guys actually have a triple threat match. On here. It was here, right? Uh, it was in North Carolina. It was right outside of Charlotte. September 30th, 2015. And Matt, you pinned Drew. And as a result, you become TNA world champion for the first time. And it's a big celebration, isn't it? Uh, it, it was. It was a big celebration. It was extremely special, too, because my brother had been hurt. He'd finally got cleared to come back. Jeff was the referee. We were trying to load it up with star power. It was the main event of a Bound for Glory. And there was a lot of uncertainty about the future of the company at that, that time. That would be a fair way to say it. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. A lot of innuendo. A lot of speculation. So we were on Destination America. And I remember John Gabrick, once again, came to us and told us, said, well, this you know, EC3 Mount Hardy rivalry is going pretty good. What if we go to a three-way with Drew? You end up beating Drew. You still haven't beat EC3, so that's like you know, something you have to do. But we can have him uh, create this injunction, and it, it forces you to relinquish the title. And, uh, and, and then we're going to go into a long tournament, which is going to take up three months of TV, and we need to film it in four days because we're not sure if we're going to have TV or not. We might get kicked off. But if we have TV, we have to have something to put on it. So we're going to do it in four days, and then you're off the rest of the year. And then at the beginning of the year, we start Pop TV. We're like, uh, okay, sure. What a morale boost. <laughs> yeah. We don't know if we're going to have TV, but we're going to give our best shot. And we did. We, we filmed that 
that they called the tournament something. The, and world, the title world title series. series. The world title series. If, and I, if I can jump real fast. Yes, yeah, I mean, please this do. is your show, but I'm taking it over. No, during that time, so I'm like a new champion. I'm a younger champion. Again, coming to my own, I'm working with Kurt. I'm working with Matt. That uncertainty, and think about this too when you read the internet and there's a lot of speculation that is not factual, but wrestlers read that too. So we have a locker room full of people job scared, their livelihoods are threatened, they have questions, we don't have answers. But in that time, Matt and myself, we kind of took on sort of a, a leadership role. So Matt was like, I mean, he kind of let me lead but only because I turned to him with anything I needed or had. And so another thing that he did for me, he made me a leader. So thank you for that. Uh, of course. I, I remember uh, at some points in there popping in those booking meetings and things that we were doing and whatnot. There, there was. It, it, we, we did have a lot of say, which was very cool at that time. Uh, but once again, we end up doing that whole tournament, right? And I remember during the course of those four days of filming, and it may have been a few days after. I remember talking to Big, and I said, you know, I have a really, a really distinct feeling that EC3 is building up a lot of momentum, and, like, I'm kind of the older veteran that's been around. I've done it before. I'm not doing anything new or fresh. People are going to sour on me a little bit, I think, but I could see him becoming very popular. I said, I think there is the possibility of doing a role reversal, or in pro wrestling terminology, as they call the old double turn, and that's, uh, that's where this talk first started happening. And that's something we're going to end up doing at the end of the day once Pop TV started. So EC3 actually wins the world title series. I did. If I recall, because we filmed this in Bethlehem, yep. <laughs> the uh, tournament was live on TV. And I believe I worked with Bobby Lashley mm -hmm. first. I don't remember who you had in the first I, I wrestled. I worked with Eric Young. Yeah, who's one of the best wrestlers yep. ever, by the way. And then Matt and I had the main event, and there was like TV was chaotic and very like, you don't know what's happening. Times are getting cut. All these like intricacies of TV take place where we had the main event, and it was it was okay. I remember feeling like I kind of let myself down, the performance down, but like I become a two-time world heavyweight champion at that moment. And usually, that's uh, those moments are so profound that that one just felt kind of like business just because I was very disappointed mm. kind of with how it all came about and how I performed. But the next night... Uh, I think we are probably going to get into something. Maybe I've had an introduction before because there started to be a little voice that got inside my head that maybe thought I should change my thought process if I really wanted to succeed. Maybe it was time to stop giving and start taking. You have any idea who that is? I Mr. think... Alba? That the person you're referring to would be the queen of House Hardy. Of course, the mother of the gothic baby and King Maxwell and the rest of the gaggle of children that you have there. Ladies and gentlemen, our next special guest, Queen Rebecca. Well, we are deep into the holiday season, and I know how frustrating it can be to buy for someone you love or care about. If you're like me, you're a procrastinator, so you wait until the very last second. There's nothing wrong with that. You know why there's nothing wrong with that? Because I know that I can turn to game time to make sure that even if I'm waiting until the last minute, I've got the best last second deals on tickets to all sorts of events at the disposal of my 
fingertips. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, wrestling, whatever it may be. And with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I did this just a couple of days ago for a belated birthday gift for a friend of mine. They really, really, really wanted to see Foo Fighters coming up this summer. This isn't a last minute ticket in terms of buying it before the event, but it was a last second ticket experience for me trying to get the tickets purchased before their birthday. Game time made it super, super, super easy for me. All I had to do was download the app, find the section. I could see the view from the seat for what it's expected to look like. And just like that, I had the tickets in my hands in a matter of clicks. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, wrestling, and much more. And with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big-time savings. The game time guarantee, it means you're always going to get the best price, too. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the game time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code H-A-R-D-Y for $20 off. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So Matt was saying that uh, as he was getting this last-man-standing rematch with EC3 that a little voice started to get in his head, and it was telling him to start taking. Tell us how all that came about and how you were introduced into the fold here. Like in real life or like in the Waffle House? In real life. (laughs) So, you know, my uh, Delulu wife brain, I'm always like, no, you're the best. You should be number one. Like, fuck everyone else. So (laughs) that was kind of like how that was literally me IRL in in his ear all the time. But I think we just sort of incorporated that into the stuff that was going on and the the people in the powers that be were receptive to it. And if I'm not mistaken, we were on uh, Ken Anderson's talk show. And we were out there, and that's where we set up the stipulations where we're going to have this last man standing match, uh, winner takes all. And it may have been like, if I don't win, I'll leave. I'll just, I'll quit. I'll quit the business for good. I probably should have quit 20 years before that. Uh, but, but I remember it was me, you, and Baby Maxwell. And that's kind of how we set that up. Yeah. Baby Maxwell, and I don't know how he sat through that promo when everyone was so scared the agents and everything because it was like a seven minute promo with like a eight month old baby and we're like oh let's see how this goes on live tv with like the people in the impact zone screaming but did you feel comfortable putting maxwell on tv yeah i never i never thought twice about it i mean he was like on the road from the time he was four weeks old so one of the things that was very convenient about doing impact was that we were uh, going to universal all the time and like we'd stay in one hotel it was shot in the same spot so it made travel easy we would all go to orlando together we would work in the same it's not like you had to you know fly to a different town or you had to drive 300 miles to the next you know next uh spot show or whatever it was pretty much right in that one spot so that made it a little bit as long as the checks cleared yeah (laughs) sometimes they were lost in dallas to snow but (laughs) maybe a little late sometimes (laughs) rest in peace bob (laughs) so so we have this last man standing match and if you guys haven't seen this january 19 2016 I, I really think it's one of the more underrated matches of your career, honestly. I know. I, 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 I swear by it. It is the most underrated match of my career. And especially, I went in at the beginning of that match 
I was getting cheered, and he was getting booed. And by the time we left that match, they were booing the hell out of me, and they were cheering for him to win. So we, you know, mission accomplished by doing that. So walk us through. How, how did you win the TNA World Championship once again here? So, so basically in this match, we come off, we start it, 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 it kind of what you would think is like your normal style match. Me as the good guy, him as the bad guy. And then just as the match starts going on and on and on, you see me getting more desperate. And I'm doing things that Matt Hardy typically wouldn't do, whether it's a, a low blow or break the rules or cheat or whatever. And I'll let you put your, your uh, two cents in. Yeah, and as he progressed as being a heel, I kind of start beginning to fight underneath, which in the art of wrestling, the proverbial hero fights from underneath against the villain. The, you know, creating heat means we're creating a need for fans to want something, to see something. So they started wanting to see me get comeuppance for what happened to him. And in the same hindsight, he's doing these heelish tactics that I would usually do where I was doing more heroic and cool things. I believe I jumped off a ladder and put you through a table. You did. You jumped off a ladder and put me through a table. Full-blown white meat baby face jumping you off were. a ladder. And, and people were really excited about it. And then the next thing you know, Queen Rebecca comes out of the crowd and she had been seen carrying our baby and she had like her purse with her with the, the baby bag with yeah, diapers diaper and whatnot. Diaper bag, yeah. yeah. Well, it so, had a hammer in it. So she pulls out and like there's diapers coming out and she has a hammer and hands me a hammer and she's like, you hit this piece of shit. You hit him. Hit him. Meanwhile, she's shooting here. Uh, of course she is. She's always shooting. <laughs> and then uh, the truculent Rebby Hardy. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I grab the hammer and I go to swing. And if I'm not mistaken, you duck and you catch me low, whatever. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to pull it out. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, and then, uh, then? My, my former heavy yes. uh, Fox News uh, consultant, I, whatever, <laughs> contributor, uh, Tyrus, who has been my, my bodyguard for the majority of my title reign, the guy I can lean on, the guy who's helped me win so many times, has found himself into the ring. And I think one thing, like, with this match, if you watch it back, and please do, because it's one of my favorite, too, is a lot of the intricacies in the facials throughout it, which I really think helped tell the story to the live audience. So like putting the thought into the reactions, one thing about wrestling is like you get the best reactions. If this were real, so being a talent, being able to transcend in that moment, and this is our reality and performing it, like those facials meant a great deal, but Tyrus comes out and it looks like he's about to help me but you know, he turns his attention to me. And usual in typical wrestling, it's like the guy doesn't see it coming, but I believe I have blood on my face. Um, and I look up and see him and I already know what's gonna happen. So in lieu of going, oh my God, he's turning on me. It's like this defiant, if you're gonna do it, fucking do it. And he does it. So. And I remember me, you, and I wanna say big, we did have a big discussion about that. And I think Tyrus was part of it as well. And we did discuss that. It was a very, the devil, you know, the devil's in the details, right? right? And I know you're a big guy who really appreciates if you pay attention, you get rewarded for it. And that's what we were attempting to do here, where he kind of came in and he looked over at him. 
you know, where I feel like most generic people who've been hills, they're like, come on, get his ass, get his ass. And they get up and then they get mowed down, not paying attention. But at that point, you're just like, okay, you've been bought out you too. You know what's coming, right? You know, you've been bought out too. Go. So the double turn is executed. You win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. It's the first time he's beaten, been beaten in a one-on-one -on -one match. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And there you are, Rebby, celebrating with him. It's a great callback. It's full circle storytelling, which is some of the best storytelling in wrestling, right? Because we just saw the first time you win the title, your family celebrating. It's this great big moment. Now here, you've got your evil wife with you celebrating yeah. this whole double turn, and you're the champion, and now we are seeing the rebirth of the big money Matt character. Yes. Matt also really made me as the babyface in the moments that led up to that, because he hit everything he had. I think there was a twist of fate. Yeah. Might have been a twist of hate. But I just kept defiantly answering the count. Yeah, it was both. To nine, until I believe Rebby handed him the actual World Heavyweight Championship, which for the character EC3 was the most important thing in his entire world. Matt lays me out with it, and that's what kept yeah, me down. And that, that was the punctuation mark. And immediately, because so the way that I look at this, and I've said this to you before, the broken Matt story is actually a story about family. Because family is like the essential foundation for that character. Obviously, you, Rebbe, you're a huge part of that. Brother Nero is a significant part of that. Senior Benjamin, King Maxwell, all these periphery people are underlined within the family. And Jeff is immediately off-put by your actions here. Mm -hmm. Rebbe is running by your side. And it's no longer him. It's, it's Queen Rebecca. And he's trying to say, what the hell, Matt? What's going on here? And you're diving deeper and deeper into this. Tell me your approach at this juncture, and was the Broken Matt character on the horizon at this point? The Broken Matt character came on the horizon whenever we first started, we, we, we first started doing the thing, I was a heel, as Big Money Matt, and there was an idea to make the champion a babyface to see if that would work better with the television network, because we were on a channel that didn't have a lot of access. It was Pop TV. Has anybody here heard of Pop TV besides DNA? Uh, you know, and, and it's so funny because Pop TV was actually our lead-in was uh, Shit's Creek. Creek. Yeah, right? yeah. Shit's Creek, Shout right? Which ended Levy. up blowing up, being a big deal. Had we known, yeah, yes, <laughs> buy stock in Shit's but Creek. As they said, we think we're going to try this. We're going to go back, and I said, well, I feel like if I'm doing this as Big Money Matt, and my title run is cut a little short, I feel like I need to evolve again, especially because like I've had success with this, and then we get to a point where. I am battling my two worst enemies now. It was a, a triple threat match. It was myself versus EC3 versus Jeff. And then the finish was I survived the match. And I, I, I barely squeeze out with the championship. I start heading out, and all of a sudden, Drew Galloway slash Drew McIntyre's music hit. He cashes in the Feast or Fire deal, which is for the world title. He ends up defeating me for it. So then I had this idea, which I'd already pitched. I said, how about I spiral out of control? Like this loss of the title, which I so desperately, you know, lived for, and I won, and I had it, and, and I had beaten my worst two enemies in my mind. I said, but Drew Galloway ripped me off. I said, let me go crazy, and let me put all of the emphasis against my brother, against my brother, Jeff Hardy, because he's the one that caused this. When because if he, When you think of a world title, too, when it's treated right, it's like the ring from Lords of the Ring. Yes, right? it is. If you don't have it, like what happens? What are the, the fallout yeah. from losing something so valuable? I mean, it, it, every, every, it, 
everything needs to revolve around that and that title. And that's what it was. So now I don't have this anymore, so I'm going crazy. And I blame my brother because if he would have just sided with myself and with my wife and everybody else and King Maxwell, then I would still have been champion. So then I say, let me change my character a little bit. We do a deal where we have an I quit match and Jeff ends up jumping off the highest perch available at Universal Studios. Absolutely insane. I remember seeing that line. He, he is insane. He is not human. There were EMTs on deck because everyone was so yeah. concerned. Like shoot, shoot not, yeah, not yeah. just for the scene. Oh, yeah. They had well, they had the EMTs for the scene, but right. then they also had actual uh, EMTs uh, yeah. that were on deck. They had they had work EMTs and they had shoot EMTs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that's true. Like, and Jeff and Jeff jumped from probably it was twenty. 25, 26 feet in the air, legitimate. Which, if, if you, if I'm telling you, it's 25, 26 feet. It looks like 40 feet. You know, it's crazy. I remember so, the day of or before the show, he just walked up there and went, "Okay, yeah, yeah, that's him, right? That's that's Joe. Okay, cool." And then they, I remember they welded that little that, that little uh, perch he could be on, and he jumped off, and he actually uh, he took super great care of me, uh, the, to to tell the truth, and he ends up hitting this thing. And then the story happens that I'm carted off and like I'm destroyed. And then my mentality of doing this was like, I want to try this approach where wrestling was getting very athletic at that point. That's where there were so many people wrestling the current style, the stuff you see in AEW, where people are more focused on like fivers or bangers than the story. You know, and I'm at this point in my career, I'm not as physically uh, in top physical form as I was. 20 years prior or whatever. So I said, well, I, let me try like a throwback to character stuff. And I said, I'm going to try a character that's like a throwback to the original Undertaker or to Papa Shango, you know, something kind of with a supernatural feel. And then either A, they'll buy me as being something supernatural or B, they'll just think I'm batshit crazy and I'll run with that. I'll just kind of see how people react to it. Rebby, did you have any input on that when he was trying to come up with the genesis of this? So I was very much leaning towards let's just go batshit crazy because <laughs> up until that point he had been, you know, pretty serious in his career and I like wrestling that's like silly and foolish and stupid and you know like character stuff that's what entertains me the most. Like EC3, silly, stupid and foolish. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't mean to look at you when I said that. I'm sorry. I'm a total clown show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember thinking like, well, you have to just be so different from what you were before. So we were like brainstorming, like, should you shave your head bald? Like, should you, what should you do? And I'm like a huge musical theater person. Yeah, so. I, I just want to say, we're talking about that. There was one time where John Gabrick, where Big said, I think maybe you should just dye your hair like all white, like Ric Flair. He said, you know, how that might, ah, yeah, yeah, might be a lot. I don't know. I do well, have very, very dark hair. He had two hair. good ideas, white hair, and <laughs> he, he, did, he did come up with EC3. So. Oh, yeah. my God. But then we did, when you were talking about the idea behind the actual look mm-hmm. of Broken Man Hardy, she did a ton of that. And, like, the, the hairstyle was her idea because it was kind of based off one of her favorite movies, too. Yeah, so the hair was, I feel like it, it's pretty obvious now looking back, but it's like I called a Sweeney Todd, like he kind of lost his mind. So I was like, what, what would someone who went crazy, you know, they would probably do their hair something <laughs> crazy or whatever. So I was like, you got like a stress streak and it's, you're so stressed out and your hair turned white and you've lost it. And one of my favorite stores in New York where I used to hang out um, was like a store called Gothic Renaissance. And I remember taking you there like years before even we had bought like a bunch of clothes that I was like, oh, you should like change your gimmick and never did anything with them. But like that ended up being what you were using. So I was like, let's just go like full dramatic Phantom of the Opera, Sweeney Todd Goth. 
And that's kind of like where the look came from. So after a little bit of time, Matt's on the shelf, some imposter Will-O-The-Wisp starts showing up on, <laughs> you got an attitude I had there? to hunt him at one point. So that whole idea, we came up with that. I figured if I'm going to get back at my brother after a few weeks off and, and people think my career's over or whatever, that's what we're trying to sell to the audience, right? So I said I would come back and I would haunt Jeff as his favorite creation, which is Will-O-The-Wisp. So I came out, when I debuted Broken Matt Hardy, I came out as Will the Wisp, and then there were two other Willows. Do you remember who played the Willows? I know. It was Jesse Goddard's and oh, Robbie E. Oh, Swole Willow, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Robbie E. Okay. Yeah, and Robbie wow. E. And I'll never forget, Jeff said, well, man, I only got like two Willow uh, jackets, but I have one shadow suit. It was like a just a tight bodysuit all the way, you know, <laughs> you can see like all their body features hanging out and whatnot. And he said, okay, I guess I'll take that one. <laughs> so anyway, there were three Willows. We come out, we do the deal. And I remember I come out, they hold Jeff. I end up beating him up with his deal. And then I start doing the promo on Jeff and I go, Brother Nero, you must understand that you have created a genesis of a new feature within Marhadi. And I do, I do the whole accent, right? And I come back through the curtain. I was got, yeah, that's that good. And they were going, uh, yeah, now. and I think she said, "I think she said, what was that?" <laughs> I said, "Hey, I said, you know, you wanted to go extreme, you want to go different." Had you shit. planned on doing an accent? Yes. So yeah, that yeah. was from the get-go. You had planned on it. Yeah. Easy three. What was the reaction from the boys? I loved it, but it, yeah. like Rebby, I love crazy dumb horse shit. So <laughs> I, I think because within the the confines of like a wrestling bubble, if it's something that hasn't been seen or done it's always met with a reaction of like confusion because I think so few wrestlers are afraid to be really bold and outrageous. In hindsight, a pro wrestler's number one job is what? Probably to get attention. So it got attention, was it the right kind? I don't think there's really a wrong kind. Well, that's what I want to piggyback off of because it certainly caught everyone's attention. I'd like, even from the people here, when you guys first saw this appearance of Broken Matt, like at the very beginning, before all the delete stuff and everything, a show of hands, who liked it right away? Right away? Okay, that's a lot. Really? I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with this man? Like, like this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And, and I don't think I was alone in that, Matt. Oh, no, I mean, there were people... <laughs> Carl Anderson, who is someone, I, 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 he's just a hilarious guy. I remember after meeting him later, he said, man, he said, me and all my friends, they said, oh, my God, Matt, Matt must be on the, on, the, on the stuff again, man. He's, he's way out there. <laughs> I'm like, actually, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm actually very, very good. Yeah, right, right. So, Crazy. So right out of the gate, it is wild. And I honestly think people were not ready for a character like this because you were trying to break some ground here. And you and Jeff start having matches. You have Full Metal Mayhem at Slammiversary. You lose that. Yes. You do Six Sides of Steel. You lose yep. that. And you just want one more match out of him. Taking a page out of Christian Cage's book, you want one more match. The character is starting to evolve a little bit, and you have a declaration for Jeff, Matt. <laughs> I do. I, I had a declaration for Jeff. And I said, let's fight one-on-one. -on -one on our property, anything goes, and whoever wins this match owns the Hardy brand. 
they own the hardy name because like you just been this thorn in my side and I can't get rid of you and once and for all I'm going to get rid of you and this night this match we have on the hardy compound will forever be known as the final deletion and uh and, and I'll be honest too Billy Corgan we were talking about him a little yeah. earlier he he had an idea. He said, "What if you guys like fought at your house? You did it like an old school type deal too." Like he he was uh, he was sold on the idea. He dug it when we talked about it. Now, Rebecca, you have put so much work into your house. It's beautiful. <laughs> Making sure that Thank the Hardy you. compound is up to standard. I'll, I'll put it lightly. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think of the idea of an entire camera crew coming to your house? and having them fight all over the property. Uh, it was literally my worst nightmare because <laughs> like wh when I moved into the house, like there was no driveway. There was like, I mean, it was very bare bones, like of Scarface course. posters on the wall <laughs> type shit, like very bachelor. So it was like this crazy rehaul of the, the property and it's a hundred acres. So I was kind of like, you know, all of the outdoor and the landscaping and everything. So much was done. And I was like, can we like write this off as a work expense? Because it was just like, <laughs> it was so much. <laughs> Which is significant because as we've talked about on the podcast a few times, one of the core characters of the Brokey yes. universe is the Hardy Compound. Yes, the Hardy Compound is. It's, it's so crazy, and we built so much equity in the Hardy compound. I'll never forget whenever I did Woken Matt, WWE's version, and we announced, you know, I challenge you to face me, Bray Wyatt, next week at the Hardy compound. And, like, the whole crowd went apeshit. This is in California, yeah. in L.A., you know, so there really was some equity. It, it was one of the, the, the funnest characters in the whole Broken Universe. So July 5th, 2016, pro wrestling changes forever with the final deletion. Uh, this is, for all intents and purposes, the first true cinematic match that we see in wrestling. And it's unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Uh, did you always envision there being cinematic elements as part of this? Or when did that come into the fold? I, I, I did as times went on. Because I, Broken Matt Hardy was so different. Uh, I wanted everything else to be different. I, I wanted to talk differently, as I did. I wanted to look differently. I wanted to dress differently. I wanted everything to be different to some, can some I, degree. Can I just put over the verbiage you use, the lexicon, the words you've chosen for all of these things? Oh, thank you. I was, I was digging deep into my archaic vocabulary. <laughs> you had a thesaurus from, like, the... BC era. No, but you literally would do that, right? You had no, a thesaurus, I, you would. I would, yes. I would literally look up words. I would try and find archaic words that meant, you know, what the current words are. I, just like real small, just the declaration, instead of anything done in wrestling, the normal terminology, a contract signing, whatever. Declaration, <laughs> shit's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was what it was. You know, and I, instead of saying, you know, I must get something, I must procure. You know, I mean, just whatever those were, I would try and look for words that were used sparsely and, and things that were archaic and whatnot. But but it, it, when it came to the final deletion, too, uh, I, I thought it was a cool idea, but I, I'll be very honest and very transparent about this. As we were doing it that, that night, we did it over the course of one night, we really were, like, figuring out a lot of it on the fly. And there were only four people on the production team. It was JB, Jeremy Borash. Huge shout out to JB. He was great. He was so good in all this. Uh, it was uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Paradise. Yep. 
And then there's a one gentleman right in the back, Tony, who was there, and there was also another guy called Ben. That were the four people that shot that entire episode, and it was done over the course of 24 hours. It was done in 21 hours. Uh, I said it was done over 24, but we filmed a couple things during the daytime. We had to shoot Maxwell's party, which was, we actually, had we already had it, was it before or after? I think it was before his actual yeah, party. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was before. So we'd already, it was his, our first son, his first birthday. We were going to do it up big. He had a big fiesta party set. So we actually used that same set to shoot the final deletion stuff, too, where I'm crazy. And one of my favorite things in that is where I'm talking. And uh, shout out Senior Benjamin. Let's give Senior Benjamin some love. Yeah, he, he deserves some love. Senior Benjamin's one of the best parts of House Hardy. Oh my God, the the the, the way he got over was so crazy. He was he came and signed autographs here like a few years back, and he said people people would give me money to to write my name. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's so funny. It's loco. Um, but when whenever he was there, when in that very first scene, he like walked in, and your dad's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry about Matt. He's sick." And then, you know, like something's wrong with me, right? I'm so sorry about that. He's sick, and, and then in Spanish, and and I really wanted to be like international. I wanted like Spanish to be on it. There was a point too where like I wanted like Indian to be on it. Like I had this Indian idea in mind, it didn't work out. But then like I know you said he is not sick. This is not about Matt, and this is not about Jeff. This is about Maxwell. And like there was the translations, and I loved that so much, and I wanted to even do more of that. Well, he loved that. It was nice to get a little bit of Latin influence in there. there For those go. who don't know, yeah. Senior Benjamin is my dad. So that's yes. how that whole thing even happened. Yeah. So he was he was very proud. Some representation yeah. on, on <laughs> a show that probably didn't have a whole lot of it at the time, quite yeah. frankly. Um, so if anyone's interested, Matt and I did a long-form episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy uh, right in the first 15, 20 episodes where we literally broke down the final deletion scene for scene and it, it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done we don't unfortunately have the time to do that here today prepare but the battlefield for murder is that what he said yeah. massacre massacre <laughs> so and and, it does, and the final deletion is one of the craziest things that wrestling has ever seen mm -hmm. and it's a quick turnaround on the edit yeah and all of a sudden matt there's some questions internally as to whether or not this thing's even going to make the air oh very much so uh, I, I don't know if you got these uh, texts from Aunt Dixie, uh, but you know she said, "I'm just so nervous." I remember when it was going to air the next day, and 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 JB Jeremy Borash intentionally he had edited it and it had been done for like three or four days before it had to be submitted, and he said, "No, I'm not quite done yet. No, I'm not quite done yet." And he dragged it out to like the last minute, so like they couldn't put anything else in there. He said, "No, we're going to make them do this. We're going to make them do this," and I remember big. He probably gave you this call, or people, you probably heard this. Big told me, he said, hey, man, he said, uh, I showed this to a couple of people. I know it's already in the can, and, like, it has to air on TV. And they said, you have to be a complete insane wild man to let this air on TV. He said, so I guess my new name is Insane Wild Man. <laughs> that was a phone conversation we had. And then I remember Dixie said earlier in the day before it aired that night, she said, I am so scared. I am so scared. What are people going to think? She, she <laughs> I, I really was fortunate was. to get a screener and uh, watched it because you wanted me to film my reaction as I watched it, which was genuine uh, because it was the best thing ever. But I feel like we knew that it was skeptical whether they'd put it on or not. 
and I think I was ready to lead a revolt of the locker room if it did not air. Yeah, there would have been an uprising. Well, I mean, even three. as it was airing, I remember just like breathing a sigh of relief that they like it seeing it on it. the TV because yeah. it was really like up until I feel like 15 minutes before it aired, we were still going back and forth with people like, is this going to happen? Like, okay, we're going to make sure it's going to go. Like it was just literally down to the wire. Well, EC3 is not the only one that got a screener. In fact, the entire WWE locker room while they were in Japan got a screener and they had a little bit of a viewing party, didn't they, Matt? They did, yeah. John Cena and Chris Jericho, they saw this and they fell in love with it. And they said, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. What a throwback this is. And they were in Japan on tour and then during the day, like a lot of times when you do these international tours, you get to the building early and then you're, you're there, you, you eat and there's catering and then you get ready and you stretch and warm up and then you have the show and then you wait at the end of the show because everybody travels on a bus to the next town. They had four different times where you could catch the final deletion, but if you showed up three seconds late couldn't do it. into the time, you couldn't do it. And they were, it was very adamant, they were very strict about this. And it was one of those things, I had all these people text me and said, oh my God, this is batshit crazy. Like, I can't believe this is going to be on TV. This is amazing. This is so great. And, you know, when, when they gave it, like, the sample of approval that it was, like, so crazy that it had people buzzing, I, I felt pretty good about it. And, and I will tell you, I know our numbers, as far as viewership, was usually around 270 to 290, 300,000 was, like, a really good episode. It ended up doing, like, 410,000 was the number on that. And I remember they were super happy with the success. And you had to had. beg to put it online, too, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and we really did that. We had to, to fight to do it, and I said, I, I, think, I think we should do it. And they said, well, we don't want to put it online soon, but, like, over the course of the next few days. That was such a mistake. Yeah, a there, there were people. illegal all, uploads of that, yeah. So many illegal uploads, and they were having, you know, 2 million views, 2.5 million views. I mean, that was all over the Internet, and it became, like, a viral thing, and there were so many people that, like, you know, just the little lines, whatever, that, thing of me looking like a psycho into your dad's face and going, Senior Benjamin, prepare the battlefield for massacre. <laughs> you know, like all, all that stuff went viral and just like you could see GIF, you know, GIFs, The piano GIFs. ones where people would insert their own songs oh, yeah. as you're like sitting at the piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was even to take one step back. That was the contract signing we did before the final deletion, and it was so polarizing. People either thought it was the the greatest thing ever, or they thought it was the worst piece of dog shit they've ever seen. You know, so like, hold up, we're oh, we're on to something if we can like you know kind of curve this the right way. And after the final deletion, we took that approach. We said we really need to use this to try and make stuff for online viral moments, like create gifs or gifs, create memes, and let's see what we can do. And, and, and JB, Jeremy Barash was so good, and he was uh, full speed ahead when it came to that. So EC3, did you feel, as this goes on, so obviously Jeff, he loses the Hardy property, he becomes Brother Nero, yes. and you guys for the short term are running as heels, but it's not long lived at all. Did you feel like the locker room was on the receiving end, on the beneficiary end of everything that was happening with this angle? I think it's open to interpretation on how you view entertainment, sport, sports entertainment, professional wrestling. But if you hear the names mentioned, like the highest of high level talent who have transcended the industry, like a Jericho, Matt, Cena, are in love with it and so enthused by it that they're hosting viewing parties in fucking Japan. <laughs> and you know, maybe the skepticism of like office and suits and people that don't quite I don't know, fully invest emotionally into what we do is very like tentative. So the locker room 
I mean, I was all aboard, obviously, but like, I, I feel some people were skeptical of it as though, like, is this only going to make us look like more of a joke? But like he said, I mean, good, good isn't good enough sometimes. So like, give me an F or give me an A. But if you give me something, make sure it's at the extreme maximum it can be. And mm. that certainly was that. Now, Rebby, did you feel the momentum of these characters, I mean, yourself included? Naturally, you guys were going to have to turn babyface, right? And, and when did you start feeling that? It's a little disappointing for me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a lot more natural, like in a, in a shithead role. Uh, uh, but no, it was cool because people did just start like singing along and yeah. interacting with like the music in the beginning and, you know, the the live theme song and stuff like that. It's crazy, you mentioned Cena. Uh, years later when we had gone to WWE and I was backstage and John Cena had come up to me and he said, I just wanna let you know that your piano on all of the deletion stuff inspired me to take lessons. And he's wow. like, I'm learning Moonlight Sonata right now. And I was like, that's so That's amazing. a true story. I was there. Did you know that? I didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, true yeah. story. That's crazy. That was the first thing he ever said to me. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Or as EC3 so like, refers to him, peacemaker. <laughs> that's a that's, that's, oh, great episode with EC3 of our podcast. By the way, so you guys are you're naturally turning babyface. It's just getting over. Mm -hmm. You guys are becoming a phenomenon. People at indie events are doing the delete chant. It has nothing to do with you. It's, just, it's, it's the new yes chant. It's the new what. It's, it's taking on a life of its own, and you guys begin an expedition. We do. We do. And, and right before we get in here, I want to bring out a couple people real quick. Uh, if you can hear me in the back... Maxwell Hardy, King Maxwell. Also, maybe we could bring out Mickey, and we could bring out the referee from the Final Deletion. I want you guys to make an appearance real quick here. Hi. And we got Gothic Baby here. You said I'll stand. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. We got the Gothic Baby here. Where do you want the baby? I'll sit. Get down. Yeah, Jimmy's gonna take care. Thank you. There Come you on up it. on stage. We got we got a full. Yeah, we I mean, we really do have a gaggle yeah. of children. So yeah, just one thing I wanted to mention. When I said we had four guys that were doing production in the final deletion, it was such a very small crew. This guy was one of them right here. His name's Tony. Give it up for him. And I, if you guys remember, there was this reoccurring character in all of the deletion matches and in the cinematic Hardy uh, compound matches who just seemed to get the raw end of the deal over and over again, and it was this gentleman right here. Don't nobody sodomize me and get away with it. <laughs> they were hot that I said that line. Oh, yeah. You told me to say it, so I said it. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it worked, right? I mean, uh, we we were working for we were trying to you know create an edgy product. <laughs> they were also hot that you and Abby fought in front of uh, Universal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did. Yeah, that was that was in, in the Great War. We yeah. did that whenever we did the Great War that you were talking about. There's a scene there where myself and Abyss we're fighting right outside of Universal, and you see we're in the park, like the signs right there, and there's roller coasters and stuff. So. I know they contacted the heads of Tina. They said, hold up, these guys, did you guys have a permit to fight out there? We, like, no, brother, we were just running and gunning. <laughs> you know, and that's, we got that in. So, Maxel, yeah. you were like the big time star. Okay. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were a little young for it, but everyone loved King Maxel. Have you had a chance to watch 
some of the old clips of yourself as, as a baby as part of all of this stuff? Yeah. What do you think about it, watching it back? Uh, it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, it was. Hey, hey Maxwell, do you remember beating Rockstar Spud? No. I you s you've seen I that do. before, though. What happened in the match? It's it's the match where you're wrestling a guy, and he's a good he's a very good dude. But Senior Benjamin, Grandpa, comes in and yeah. <laughs> he hits well, him with a taser. He was only slightly taller than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's barely <laughs> taller than you. Personally, you my favorite match is when he beat Disco Inferno, and I'd watch that on repeat over and over and over and over and over and he, over again. He also said this one time. He said, "Yeah, that Disco guy, he deserved it. He was a Twitter troll." <laughs> that was a quote. Right? He yeah. was a Twitter troll. <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask you real quick. Yeah. I mean, being, being part of the Broken Universe matches, the cinematic matches, seeing that up close and being an essential character in this, unlike anything you've ever done in your career, I'd imagine, what was it like for you? It was super cool. It was, um, again, like I was telling Rebby earlier in the back, as, as time goes on, I, the events of this get foggier and foggier, and I start, you know, I start messing everything up and don't really know how things came to be. But uh, without a doubt, one of the top two, three moments of my career, because I'm, you know, myself, Rebby, Matt, anybody, you know, Tony, anybody that was involved in this, I'm not so sure any of us knew what this was going to be <laughs> prior to us, prior to it coming out, actually. I was going down on a Sunday to Cameron to hang out with my friends and, and do some wrestling, you know, around the house. I, I'm not sure any of us knew that this was going to be the next hottest thing in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And, and it's, it's amazing to see all these years later how influential it was. So you do the Expedition of Gold. Yes. And you guys go around to independent promotions, the Expedition. Expedition. Of the Expedition of Expedition. Gold. You, you fight other promotions. I mean, you win the Impact World Championships, the Tag Team Championships again. I mean, was the idea behind that in getting the TNA brand out there more? What, what was the thought process? Yes, we, we had this idea because first we did Apocalypto, which was part of total nonstop deletion, which is the match where, uh, where Maxwell defeated Spud. Yeah. So in that, we, we invited every tag team from All Pro Wrestling to come because we had to like prove that we were the greatest tag team in all of space and time. We wanted to be, to be the best tag team. There was a... We were this close to actually having the Young Bucks in this deal. They were supposed to be in it. They were supposed yeah. to be in it. Then stuff happened where they were in Japan and it couldn't happen. And then I've been friends with the Young Bucks for quite a while at this time. And I actually Bucks had, of youth. Yes, the Bucks of youth. Correct. That is how Broken Matt would say The Bucks of youth. These spot monkeys. <laughs> and then we did this expedition of gold because I had worked out a deal with uh, Ring of Honor and with the Bucks of Youth, and we were eventually going to do a interpromotional rivalry, a, a feud. It was going to be the TNA World Tag Team Champions, the Broken Hardys versus the Bucks of Youth at ROH as the Tag Team Champions. That's what we were planning on doing, and that was the goal. So to set this up and kind of like lay the groundwork for it, we had myself and Jeff going to all these different independent promotions and whatnot. We went to the crash in Mexico. Uh, we went to places in West Virginia, we went to MCW, we won all these various world tag team titles and every different independent promotion you could think of. We said now we have to, you know, move on to the next promotion, which we planned on being Ring of Honor. And we had this whole idea planned out with the Bucks that we were gonna do. But then, right before we re-signed, and we were both gonna be committed to TNA, myself and Jeff, uh, Anthem had bought Impact Wrestling, TNA. Oh boy. 
And then uh, Jeff Jarrett was there, and we weren't quite seeing eye to eye, and, and, and Jeff was in a, a very different place at that time. So then these negotiations fell apart, so then the TNA and Ring of Honor rivalry fell apart. So then we said, well, okay, well, we've got another option on the table here. We could return to WWE. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you start before we get into this, but then we knew we did the expedition of gold and it finished up and we had all these tag team titles we were going to do an angle with ring of honor and then it ended up we kind of hit the bricks there we hit the wall because like things weren't working at tna with this new management there was a uh a, a, a lot of tension between sides and we had a very good offer to go back to wwe so i'll let you segue on that easy three's got something to add no i just remember wrestlemania in orlando okay and so under wraps, right? What you guys were gonna do? We tried it. I was I was hanging out with him that afternoon. Yeah, right somewhere at the Evolve show, right? Yeah, that was awesome. That's all. So th the rumors are abound. I mean, this character, the Broken Universe, is larger than life. Everyone in wrestling is talking about it. We're at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, it's the biggest set ever that WrestleMania has ever seen. And I think you got to backtrack first to the Hammerstein. Well, so, uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you take that. I'll just do that. So yeah. we, we, leave, we leave TNA, right? Our contracts run out. And we immediately resign with WWE. And I'm interacting with Triple H more than anybody else. Paul Levesque. Talked to Vince a little. But then, like, we said, what if we go to Ring of Honor? We have it worked out. And we win the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. And we'll hold them all the way up till the night before we return at WrestleMania. I said, it's like a, it's a red herring. You know, it's like a smokescreen. And, and people will think we're signing with the Ring of Honor. And that's what we did. Uh, the lights went off. Young Bucks had a match. Lights went off. We popped up. And it's so crazy because I did Big Money Matt. The original version of Big Money Matt was in Ring of Honor. And those people hated me. I had, like, heat in the ring. Uh, you know, I, I had heat in the ring as a pro wrestler and also had heat in real life, half-ass. But, I mean, I was in the Hammerstein Ballroom, and they booed me out of that building. They yep. hated me so much. But when myself and Jeff showed up with the Bucks and we had that match, they went, they went crazy. It was insane. It was so exciting. It was so different because we'd literally left TNA just a couple days before that, right? We show up. We beat the Bucks. We win the titles. We have different offenses. Uh, we get to WrestleMania weekend, which is the biggest weekend in all of wrestling, right? That Friday night, especially considering what they've done now, myself and Jeff, we uh, wrestled the Lucha Bros in the main event of WrestleCon, and we beat those guys, Penton Phoenix. And then the next night, we wrestle the Bucks of Youth in a 30-minute Ladder Wars match where they win back the titles. And then on Sunday, there's a triple threat ladder match yes. you know, for the tag team titles. And we said, oh, maybe it'd be interesting if we showed up in that. And then, John? Well... It actually goes a few days prior in a warehouse in Orlando where they are doing rehearsals for said ladder match. It is Enzo and Cass. It is the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And uh, it is the bar, Cesaro and Sheamus. And, uh, well, uh, all of a sudden a black van pulls up. And please share with us what happens. Yeah, they... Uh we we got down there earlier initially we were flying in thursday night and then we ended up changing it to, well actually wwe traveled it they changed it to thursday morning and we flew down to orlando i remember we're driving around with mark carano we're in a van and it has like 
totally tinted windows or totally black, you can't see in it, whatever. And they said, yeah, we told the boys that the ladders were like banned from the practice ring at the hotel. They couldn't do it there. You had to be at the garage by the performance center. That's the only place we could rehearse this match because they don't allow ladders in the hotel or whatever, you know, whatever they concocted to tell these guys. So they're sitting there and they're starting to talk about their match. They're putting it together, whatever. And we pull up in this SUV with totally blacked out windows. And then uh, Mark Rana gets out and says, hey guys, to all the tag teams. You know, you got Enzo, Big Bill, you've got the bar, Shazaros, and Sheamus. And then you've got the Good Brothers. He says, hey guys, we're just gonna tell you, we've got an addition to the match. Not only, this isn't a three-way ladder match anymore. Now it's a four-way ladder match. Let me introduce you to the, uh, to the other two competitors in this match. And then Carl Anderson says, as soon as we open the doors, he goes, Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. And then it's like we get out, and it's so funny because Big Bill and Enzo, they're like, oh, they're so happy. And then, like, uh, the good person, oh, yeah, oh, it's hard. This is so cool, whatever. And then, like, we look over there, and uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, they're both kind of like, oh, this might not be. I guess we ain't winning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and that, that's such a great memory. We yeah. sat in there, we put the match together, and then we don't see these guys until. 20 minutes before the match uh, on Sunday. You know, we go have this crazy week of signing autographs and having crazy and matches. when you guys are putting together the ladder match with the Young Bucks, you get some phone calls from the WWE office. Oh, yeah. We're, we're sitting there earlier in the day before the ladder wars, and we had 30 minutes of time, right, with the main event. And uh, I get a phone call, and I look, and it's like P.S. I'm like, okay, it was Michael. He's, he's like, hey, what you doing? Said, oh, we're putting this match together. He said, well, you're not doing any dumb shit, Interdell, are you? Huh? I said, well, we got a couple good spots. Hey, mother, you got WrestleMania tomorrow. This is WrestleMania. That's important. This ain't important. WrestleMania is important. You got it? Yeah, I got it. He said, and you make sure to tell your brother not doing any stupid <laughs> Nothing. Because I, 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 I trust you, but I don't trust him, all right? <laughs> okay, knaves. And then uh, about... Yeah, right. <laughs> and then about 40 minutes later, I get a call. The man with three H's. And he goes, hey, Matt, uh, you guys uh, worked this match out? So, yeah, he said, your brother's not doing anything that's uh, suicidal, is he? <laughs> I said, eh, there's a couple of things. Can you please like try and contain him a little bit? Like tomorrow's mania and like Vince is really stressed out that you guys are going to come in here and you're going to be hurt. Or like shoot broken, not broken Matt Hardy, you know, like shoot broken. I said, okay, I promise, man. We'll, we'll try and do our best. The, the Bucks are going to take real good care of us. We're going to work this out very smart. He said, okay, because Vince really is stressed out. And then uh, about 30 minutes later, then like an unknown thing comes up on my phone. I said, well, I better take this. He said, Matt, fuck. You guys doing this match tonight? You're not doing anything crazy in it, are you? Damn it, man. And I go, uh... No, boss. Hey, uh, we should be good. He said, well, what is your brother doing? Is he jumping off the ceiling and going through tables? He said, tell him to tell him to back that off a little bit. It's tomorrow's WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals. Damn it. I need you both healthy. You're returning. I said, oh, okay. yes, sir. Got you, Vince. 
So those were the calls that I got that day. It's so crazy. In order, Michael, then up to Jane, the Triple H, and then to Vince. So you let Nick Jackson do all the crazy shit instead. Oh, Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff, I couldn't stop Jeff. And so I, told, I said, guys, I tried. I, I can't control him, man. He's an entity I can't control. Uh, so you can only, that was like when we were getting ready to do the final scene with the symbol. And we were getting the gas, and I said, Matt, are we going to set Jeff on fire? Yeah. And you were like, no, don't even suggest that shit, because I want to try it. Yeah. And then I, the whole scenario played in my head where he's like, guys, come on, man. I'll hit the sand. I'll roll. Yeah. It'll be all right. You know, JB going, ah, buddy, uh, let's uh, hold on to that till ultimate deletion. Like, everything's playing out. You know what I mean? Well, and Sugar and Shane showed up for no reason. Matt, you know Jeff crazy. Why are you motherfucking shit? What the fuck? <laughs> Matt you know? did end up getting burnt in the final deletion. No, he did. Too. Actually, that's and, and the reason why is because <laughs> the sun was coming up, right? We'd been working all night. The sun is rising very rapidly and I'm, I'm i'm sure my wife's going are i'm sure rebecca i'm sure we're doing the final release you go are you guys are you done yet can you go to bed yeah, and the every sun was coming up every right every time there was a, a cinematic match that happened <laughs> but then like the sun's coming up and, and jb's like we got to get this shot we got to get it now and then jeff has this gas can he's just dousing stuff everywhere uh, 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 on the thing and it's like all over the ground where i'm gonna he's gonna slam me and choke me out and then we light the thing up, and it comes over, and I caught a little bit of the, the flame, and it, like, burnt me underneath my arm a little bit. And then Jeff did. He fell down, just like you said, onto the sand perfectly. He didn't have a scratch on him <laughs> and didn't Nothing get hurt. wrong with him. I'm all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. one of my two clear memories of that night. Oh, yeah. Because I had the audio pole. Jimmy was here. Ben's here. JB has V1. Nah. You know, and they can only see what's in their viewfinders. Right. Only people who have peripheral are me and Kevin. And then... You lit it up, and I went, okay, pretty sure Matt's on fucking fire because <laughs> you were doing the roll. And the yeah. other thing was I know everybody's going to – people are going to love it or they're going to hate it. Yeah. There's not going to be anybody in between because we yeah. shot the fight in sequence. Right. We went from fireworks to dilapidated boat to all the way through, yeah, yeah. and then I just went, people are going to love it or hate it. And that's how it was, too. Yeah. People either loved it – more yeah. people yeah, loved yeah. it than hated yep. it. But so, so WrestleMania rolls around. There are tons of rumors, but you guys are kayfabing everyone. Yeah, you're, you're getting out. You're, you're leaving. You're going. Uh, I took a picture of the airport. <laughs> you know, we, we, we had to do media with Ring of Honor. When, wherever we all landed at the, at the airport, remember, we took that picture, and I just said, uh, there you go, Max. So you, you, yeah, there you go. Sit up. Good job. Good posture. Very important. <laughs> just there go there go, for a second if you want to. Here, Max, I'll take the microphone. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're doing good. There you go. A little switcheroo. I'm going to ask you one thing Give in just a second, Max, to, look, to close up the night. But then, like, we, we flew in. We all took a picture of House Hardy that we we're going to post. Like, hey, we're at the airport. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for an amazing week, Orlando. And then uh, we, we did our whole deal. And I remember we had to do media for Ring of Honor. And they were asking Jeff, they said, so do you think there's any chance now like uh, that you're going to be going back to WWE now that you've left TNA and you guys are so red hot, you're white hot as the broken heart is, you know, like, or are you going to hang around here at Ring of Honor and just kind of be a free agent? And Jeff says, nah, man, we just, we signed contracts with Ring of Honor, man. We saw him like for a couple years, like we saw long-term contracts. And then they put that online and Jeff said, man, I can't wait till this shit's over. I hate lying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff, very furious to man. I can't wait this so, shit's over. I hate lying. So the day rolls around. Things are very low key for you guys. You, you bought hoodies, right? If I'm not mistaken, to try to stay incognito. Yeah, we requested uh, that day on Sunday to get hoodies, 
And keep in mind, we're in Orlando, Florida, where it's not really hoodie country. And uh, we go into a, a little specialty shop that finally had hoodies, and we ended up buying black hoodies because they wanted to sneak us into the WrestleMania ar arena, and we were all wearing pink hoodies, which was pretty funny looking back in hindsight. Um, so that is all going down. You guys are hidden away. And as this triple threat ladder match is ready to begin, we've seen this footage on WWE's website and in the documentary, mm -hmm. you guys are ushered up. I mean, Rebecca has Maxwell strapped around her back. She's got Wolfie in her belly. Yeah, she is eight <laughs> months pregnant. Eight and months pregnant, and we have to run these three flights of stairs to get to Gorilla. The New Day are buying time. They're teasing like they're going to be the team that's in it. What's it like in Gorilla as you're ready for this match to start? Uh, I mean, this would be even be great for uh, my wife to comment on because she said it was pretty overwhelming because we, like, storm into Gorilla and we're there, and it's just like all of a sudden it's like John Cena and Shawn Michaels and there's Vince and there's Hunter and everybody's giving big hugs. Oh, my God, it's so great to have you back. This is going to be amazing. Da, 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 da. You know, she's just sitting there and, like, they kind of push her over the wall. She's sitting, like, on the end of Gorilla, like, where it's, like, Vince, Hunter, and then she's kind of standing beside them, you know, <laughs> and it's a packed Gorilla, and it's WrestleMania, yeah. which is insane anyway. Um, and then I just remember Jeff was just going, he was, like, so nervous, and, and he starts going, yeah! He'll do that sometimes. He gets nervous. And I remember Michael Hayes said, Jeff, you've done this a million times. Just breathe. Just breathe. And then, like, once that music hit and we heard the, the crowd reaction and just going out, it was so overwhelming because you see this sea of humanity for the first time you know usually when you're tv all these guys can attest to it if you're tv you've seen what the arena looks like you know you know how many people are going to be in there you know the size of it you know the scope and the shape of it but we hadn't seen any of that and this ramp was monstrous at wrestlemania 33 coming down and we walk out and we see that and then there's people that were doing you know the delete delete Delete, you know, after so many people were so polarized by the initial creation of the whole Broken Man Hardy stuff. I mean, it just, it really goes to show how social media, how the internet, how YouTube, how viral videos and how certain segments that go viral can really make a difference in pro wrestling now. Because it did for that. I mean, that is what, uh, the, the, the Broken Universe was built off the back of the internet. Who here freaked out when the Hardy Boys returned at WrestleMania, right? Yeah, like, so I was just going to ask you guys, so what was it like for you seeing them walk down that aisle? Yeah, I mean, because the, the day of I saw them and I kind of like, so am I going to see you later? <laughs> and he kind of just looked at me and went, and that was that. So. Oh, you broke it to him, yeah, huh? not, not totally. I would say if it was a court of law, he would not be held liable <laughs> for that. It was a poorly kept but, secret. We yeah. knew, right? <laughs> we just knew. No, it's just amazing to see your, your friends, your mentors, people you respect have great moments because yeah. I think Matt can attest to the most. The reason we do this, the best thing about this is the moments that will you know last for you as fans, but also for what we get to feel in those moments. What was your reaction? I knew they were going. But seeing it but, actually Oh, no, it was out. crazy. Yeah, nuclear pop. And yeah. I thought it was awesome just because... We had gotten tighter in that time where we were even in vans for like that expedition. Yeah, that, that, it, that expedition goal was a blast. That's we had my favorite traveling. road yeah. trip I've ever taken. Yeah. And we were just, so it was cool to see them where they should have been. And what about going from the backyard to seeing them on that stage? 
Well, I was pissed because I was with you all day the day before. And you said nothing. <laughs> so here I am, and you know, coming down WrestleMania, and I just say, I was with this guy 24 hours ago. Like, not just for an hour. I mean, all day. Um, but no, I loved it. These guys have been my guys for, uh, for the longest time. So it was, uh, it was nice to see them back where I thought they belong. And in my, uh, in my estimation, the greatest return in WWE history. Yeah. I Which, another small known fact, you know that's the second time you returned in that stadium at WrestleMania? Yeah. Crazy. It, it is truly one of the most memorable moments in modern wrestling history. It's one of the loudest pops. Had that been in an indoor stadium, it would have been probably the loudest reaction in WWE history. Yeah, and, and, and something else that was very viral after that was just the, the reactions of people in the arena that you could see from cell phones and around the world watching it on TV like people were going nuts yeah. it was so so crazy and, so well that's because you know you guys connect at this very intimate level with your fans and people have such admiration and appreciation and had it not been for the broken universe this concept that came about in a company that was totally irrelevant mm -hmm. to WWE mm -hmm. a company that people were talking about hey when's it going out of business they're making jokes about it yeah. every single day you guys turn that and leverage it with the help of your wife, with the help of these yep. periphery characters, into one of the most special moments in wrestling history. And I always tell you this, that you know people will look at Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy as like the iconic Hardy boys, but I really do believe that the broken universe changed wrestling forever. And think, with the pandemic, had the final deletion not happened, had cinematic matches not been created, what the hell would these companies have done? Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, Undertaker got his last great match in a cinematic match. I mean, you know, there's how amazing a, is that? The whole pandemic thing happened, and you know, we had that stadium stampede, which was a very revered match. At, you know, at that time, whenever yeah. it happened, when no one knew what was happening in the world. I'm being given the Iggy to wrap, but I want to ask real quick from each of you your favorite thing about the Broken Universe, whether it's a moment, a character, whatever it may be. We'll go across the line here. Oh boy, oh, well, just all of it. I was just glad that I was able. To be a part yeah. of it it was the best probably the coolest stuff you do a lot of stuff and then later on you look back and it was cool that's the only shit that i ever did that i knew it was cool while i was doing it what about you ec3 i mean that's like trying to pick out one of my favorite children lord knows i have a baker's dozen but uh <laughs> what i what i take from that the most as a performer and a peer and a colleague would be what i learned from matt is just that full investment into yourself, into your character. It's not really a character, it's an extension of who you are. And that if you can be bold enough and brave enough to go all out there, regardless if it succeeds or it fails, you can always be proud that you did everything you could to see your vision come true. I love it. Yep. For me, I'm a little biased. I think uh, my favorite part of the entire thing was uh, when we had that one-on-one -on -one ISO shot, Matt and I, in the beginning of <laughs> the final deletion where he don't meet the license official. Um, that gave me a decent bit of longevity towards that time. I got to go around the horn and pretty much be these guys' personal referee and stuff like that. So becoming the uh, license official was definitely up there for me and a, and a lifetime memory. Official. Official. Matt? So, so many great memories from all that time. But uh, I mean, the, the things that really stand out to me are the, the moments we were able to make because of the whole broken Matt Hardy stuff. I mean, Ricky Morton was here a little earlier. Ricky's someone I love, both Ricky and Robert. And they took part in Apocalypto. And once again, he told me that I knew ISIS. He says, thank you so much. You know, you booking me for that, that like put us back on the map. It got us in the Hall of Fame. And now we're doing this. And we're like, you know, in circulation again. 
um, showing up at Ring of Honor against the Bucks and it shocked the world, showing up at WrestleMania 33 and it shocked the world, you know, putting the final deletion on air and it shocked the world so much that WWE were, you know, doing certain calls to watch it in Japan when, when it first got put together. So just the shock value that, that it brought to people and the happiness that it brought to people, I think that's what I like the most about it. It's amazing that Ricky Morin, one of the most famous wrestlers of all time, had that kind of praise and the foresight to see that what you were doing was so creative because I heard Jim Cornette said that it was the most damaging thing in wrestling history. Yeah, well, that's what he thought, you know. Bless Jim's heart. He's stuck in his ways. <laughs> now, you got King Maxwell up here? Yes. So, I was going to say this, Maxwell. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. So, now, when you were King Maxwell uh, as, a, as a young baby and you were doing stuff, you look back, it's very cool to watch. But now that you're a little older, we just had a cinematic match in AAW a few months back. And it was called The Firm Deletion, where I was trying to break out of the contract that uh, Ethan Page and company had on, on there with me. So there was an idea about Maxwell, now that he's old enough and we have a ring, ring at home and he's done stuff, about him doing something physical. And he was going to do a swanton to Stokely Hathaway. And I was like, well, what do you think about that, uh, What do you think about that, Maxwell? Do you want to do that swanton? Because one thing I want to say, that could possibly, here, get John's mic right there. I'm going to say, Maxwell, are you sure you want to do that swan time to Stokely Hathaway? Because if you do it, King Maxwell, it could put you in danger. Did you sweat it? No, not really, because Danger is my window name. <laughs> and it's something that people don't know is, like, Danger really is his middle name. <laughs> his name is Maxwell Danger Hardy. It's something we've never really revealed before. And uh, I, I think he's got a hell of a catchphrase when it comes to that. I think we should give Maxwell a round of applause for that swan Yeah, time good job. Great job, buddy. Good you stuff. It. Uh, this, this really has been... You're good to go to Mama if you want. Yeah. <laughs> you're this relieved. really has been such a fun time, again, to go back on the Broken Universe and tell the story of how you became broken and uh, share these stories. Uh, Matt and I get to share these stories every single week with the extreme life of Matt Hardy, and uh, unfortunately we are running out of time, but uh, Matt and I do Ask Matt Anything episodes all the time, and if you guys send in questions to those, Matt answers them on air, and we have a great time, and I highly encourage you whenever we do those Ask Matt Anything episodes, send in your questions, whether it's about the Broken Universe or other Hardy Boys stuff. It's, it's always fun. Sometimes we talk about food for 40 minutes and it's no, the best it's the best i just love banter <laughs> we do love to banter much to rebecca's chagrin but anyway um <laughs> anything else you guys want to add here as we wrap this panel up no <laughs> <laughs> no truly an honor thank you for having of me of course absolutely uh thank I want to thank all of you guys that have came out there. Thank you for what you did uh, for us and for the whole Broken Universe movement as being part of the final deletion and then Deleter Decay and the Great War and then Apocalypto. You too, man. You were right there. You were, you were one of the backbones of it along with JB and Jimmy, so we greatly appreciate you. And EC3 is uh, an old friend slash rival I love seeing. I can't see him enough. And I also want to thank my wife because my wife did so much to make a positive impact on the whole broken Matt Hardy character in the in the broken universe and there's a great story that she tells from Wrestlemania whenever we were going down that ramp where she said I just like looked at him and I could just tell Matt was so happy he was just like so happy to be back you know home or where he felt he belonged and just get that reaction and that's something that uh, I love her so much for she is uh, she's done a lot for me and she's a very good wife and I want to tell her thank you let's hear it for Queen Rebecca guys come on now there you go 
She also put up with us shooting until 6 in the morning in her backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and shooting off fireworks and screaming and everything yeah. else. Thanks, Rebby. Yeah, the, the fireworks was, uh, was a groundbreaker for pro wrestling, needless <laughs> to say. Uh, hey, special thanks as well to WrestleCade for host, hosting this event. And uh, second year in a row, we've gotten a chance to do this live show. Let's hear it for Tracy Myers and the crew. Thank you, and Brian and, and everyone. Thank you, Matt, thank you, thank you. Anything else you want to add? Uh, thank you guys for coming out and spending your time with us. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's conversation. Did you guys, uh, did you guys have a good time? Yeah. Oh my God, Vanguard One. He is the most. Uh, forget dogs. He is the most faithful ally you can have. <laughs> He's man's best friend. Now, there you go. <laughs> well, well, you see, the the beauty is we did six episodes breaking down the broken universe which you guys can all go back in our archives extremehardy.com i mean we're talking an hour and a half on each specific part where vanguard got plenty of love i promise you that and uh it was, it was it's been a great time and matt I'm, I'm very grateful to get to do the show with you and to get a chance to interact with these great people here in winston-salem north carolina a little mcfoley cheap pop there and uh we're, we're so appreciative anything else you want to add uh, no, I, uh, I'm excited for tomorrow. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow. I'm going to be here hanging out, and I'm very excited that uh, my brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, is going to be here as well. The Hardy's going to be taking pictures. He's doing I'm a concert. And he's doing a concert tomorrow night you guys would want to catch too. And also, Queen Rebecca is going to be there along with Gothic Baby. Uh, and I say this, and, and, and oh, oh, who's the Gothic Baby? You are, yes. <laughs> You're very, very popular. You and Mama are going to be taking pictures tomorrow, signing autographs, because you guys are sensations. You guys are sensations. Very much so. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're very excited about seeing you tomorrow, and we're very excited about the match tomorrow night. Myself and Jeff against Heath and Rhino for the first time ever. He's got kids. You've got kids. Everyone's got kids. It's going to be great. If you couldn't tell, Matt Hardy and I love doing these live shows. And if you'd like to see a live show come to your neck of the woods, let us know on social media because we plan on bringing the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy to the stage many more times in 2024, and we would love for you to be a part of it. We'd love for you to be part of our show as well. You head on over to AdvertiseWithHardy.com, promote your business, promote your product to the extreme, and we will make sure that your product is getting out in front of thousands of listeners every single week advertise with hardy.com get that endorsement from matt freaking hardy why wouldn't you want that right this has been a great episode of the extreme life of matt hardy super appreciative of all of you who tuned in and especially for those who were in attendance for our wrestlecade show it was so much fun getting a chance to meet all of you the words have been spoken we'll see you next week right here on the extreme life of matt hardy Lost,